Well, good morning. Good to be with you this morning as we enter into God's Word. And uh, there's that background of uh, Thessalonians is so rich. And uh, the interesting thing about uh, Thessalonica is now is that it's actually a city in some ways a bit similar to Adelaide. If, if we could ever get out of Australia, it's going to be a good place to visit. And it's now known as Thessaloniki, and it's a metropolis of about a million people like Adelaide, and has also got a rich cultural um, life to it, and uh, sits on the harbour there. It's very vibrant, and I mean, in some ways, a bit like Adelaide with our richness as well. And so this place was established uh, on a trade route, and of course, Paul visited there, got this community started, and uh, had to leave. Uh, but he encourages them to stay true to the faith. And today we're talking about perseverance, staying true to the faith. So this young church at Thessalonica, they are learning from the example of Paul. They need to pick it up from someone. Paul, who is one of the first apostles, is spreading the good news of Jesus throughout the region and in some ways really has become one of the very first fathers of the faith. He humbly holds himself up as an example, example of what it means to follow Jesus and then persevere in the Christian life. He's quite happy to do this because he knows that they need people to be able to follow. He can, he's gone before them in some way and wants to be able to speak in life to them. Paul in personally holding himself up as an example, knows that as people observe and imitate him, they're going to be able to persevere and get through the difficult times that might come their way. He also not only holds himself up as an example, but then also points to other communities of faith who have gone before them and says, be imitators of them, draw some wisdom and experience from them, and you will also be able to grow in this faith and uh, get an understanding of how you can get through the times that are before you. Paul does all of this graciously and with a confident humility. He can do this because he knows what it means to have gone through the, the transformative process of conversion to Jesus Christ. And he gives all his gratitude to God. For he was a man who was legalistic in the law, but then has been transformed by an encounter with Jesus into a man who knows deep love in Jesus, his softened heart, and has this message of good news of Jesus Christ to share. So he holds himself up as an example. Examples is what Christians need. We're always looking for that example that we can look to, to glean wisdom from to learn from. It's a beautiful way in which God operates and he constantly gives us examples to live by. And this is the thing about the Christian faith. It is not something which is hidden away. It is something which is observed. God revealed himself in Jesus Christ. He's our ultimate example, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We look to him as the example of what God is like what it is, in the, it is to live in the kingdom of God. But then God, by his grace, gives us other people who have been living with Jesus as an example that we can glean from and learn from as well. He shows, they show us how to live this faith out. 
And then he also connects us to a global movement of the breaking in of the kingdom of God, of communities around the world that we can learn from as well. Kind of all in this together. And so what we find is that we need examples because we are constantly observing what's it mean to glean and work into the next step of my life, my Christian life, and so on. Did you know that you're always being observed? You're always being looked at. You know how you know? Because you're always looking at someone else. You're always observing others. I look out here and I see a range of face masks. I'm observing that. You're looking at me going, wish we could be speaking so I didn't have to wear the face mask. You're observing. You're going, oh, Kynan's got a new shirt on. Some of you aren't observant and didn't realise. We're always noticing. And not only that, when we know and trust someone, when we know that they have got good intentions, we then will even follow them. We are not only observers, we are followers. So we need examples. To give you a fun illustration of how this lives itself out, uh, Josiah was home alone with Chelsea and Johnny uh, during the week. Rachel and I had popped out and Josiah had just finished that day handing up his last year 12 assignment. And he was in party mode. When Rachel and I came home, we walked in the front door and there was one piece of paper right there in the foyer. We're going, that's strange. Why is there one piece? And as we walked down the passageway, the number of papers increased. In the background was Abba's dancing queen, blasting. We're going, what's going on? We go around the corner and there strewn are all of Josiah's assignments throughout the year. All the papers. Josiah bounds up to us, singing Dancing Queen, wearing peace sunglasses and board shorts, and that's it. You never know what's going to happen in the Brooks household, I can tell you. And he is just euphoric about his Year 12 assignments being over. And in that moment, I didn't have the heart to say, look, bud, get back, you've got one maths exam to go. I thought, we'll just give him his moment. Now, the interesting thing was that as he danced past me, Chelsea came up dancing, holding a wooden spoon singing into that and then as she went past Johnny came bounding up also with just shorts on singing Dancing Queen they looked like they were celebrating their handing up of year 12 as well all they were doing was imitating Josiah and I didn't have the heart to tell them either look guys you've got a lot of work ahead of you before you get through year 12 but it was just an example of them following someone else We observe and we take on those who we trust and those who have gone before us who can pass on wisdom. And this is what Paul is doing to the church at Thessalonica. He says, I've been through some stuff. In fact, I know what you're going through. And the season you're going through is difficult. The season you're going through is tough. And I want to let you know that I've been through some of those seasons before and I'm going to help you persevere how to get you through because it's really important that you do get through. And then he says, not only am I going to be an example to you, but I'm going to point you to some other examples as well. 
because it's not just me. You're connected to this other movement or this broader movement. And they're also going to be the example of how you can persevere through. And so Paul writes to this church, and you can see in the reading of it, the pattern of trust following encouragement, exhortation, and his hopes for them. So I read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, from verse 13. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews, who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displeased God and opposed all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they may be saved. So as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them at last. And here we hear Paul's pastoral heart. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavoured the more eagerly and wished great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again, because he's an example. But Satan hindered us, worked against us. But for what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Paul wants the very best for these believers. He wants them to persevere in the face of persecution. He wants them to live fully for Jesus. He's happy to be an example for them. He wants to be with them. You can hear his sentiment, his hopes for them. And then he holds up the example of other churches which have been through things as well that they might be an example for them as well. We see that in Paul. His goal is to make sure that every believer who places their faith in Jesus Christ finish well. Whatever circumstance might come in life, that they might persevere right through to the end. This is a constant exhortation that Paul has when he writes to the letter to Timothy, encouraging him. Paul writes these words, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith. That's the heart of Paul. And in this encouragement to his friends in the church at Thessalonica, Paul, drawing from his experience, shows us the keys to having a persevering faith. One which continues to keep the faith alive in the heart of the believer and the church true to her mission. And the first one is this. We read it in that first verse there. And we also thank God constantly for this. Paul knows that a life of perseverance is one which breaks through because there is a heart which is constantly giving thanks. 
He lives with the attitude of gratitude in all that he does. All the letters that Paul writes, even as he seeks to build up and at times correct and admonish, these letters are laced with gratitude to God for what he has done and for his people. And I think this is because Paul is able to live with gratitude because in all that takes place, he is so grateful for what Jesus did in his own life. That's where it lies. That is the bedrock of his faith. A heart which is grateful to the Lord who has given himself Jesus, who has saved him, who has opened his eyes, who has given him freedom, gives him the opportunity to live in grace and a purpose. He is always grateful to God and he passes this out. Perhaps it is the deepest key to living a persevering life. A heart which is simply grateful. A heart which gives thanks for what God has done. Whether it's in success or it's in failure, to give thanks. To give thanks for a community to belong to. To give thanks for friends that you have. To give thanks for a grace that continues to come every day. To give thanks for mercies which are new. To give thanks. To give thanks for the children in your life, to give thanks for a community in which you can grow and serve, to give thanks. To give thanks for the freedom to worship, to give thanks for the sustaining, holding power of God when the struggle is real, to give thanks. For a heart which continues to give thanks is a heart which is committed to becoming better, not bitter. Is a heart which is committed to knowing that hope will always come through despair. A heart which gives thanks is always searching for light in darkness. Friends, we give thanks. We give thanks to God. We give thanks for his life in us. Secondly, the key to persevering in the faith is to actively have the word of God working within you. I love it how Paul writes this. He says, when you receive the word of God, that is when you, you first heard it, when you heard it from us, you accepted it not then just as words that we've spoken and, and a few good ideas from us. You didn't accept it like that, but you heard it as from God himself. The word of God. And then he says, and this is the key, that it is at work in you as believers. See, the word of God is active and alive, sharper than a two-edged sword, discerning. And so the heart, the way to persevere is to have the word of God alive within us. Paul openly commends the believers in the church of Thessalonica to stay close to the word and to let it be the bedrock of their faith to turn to it. The word of God is a gift to us. He calls us to read it clearly. On Friday, I went and saw the optometrist. It's been a long time since I've seen the optometrist. There's only one reason you go to see the optometrist, isn't it? All of a sudden you're reading something and it's 
not quite right. See, I turned 48 on Monday and in a couple of years' time I'll be middle-aged. And I just realised that maybe my eyes are just starting to want a little bit. I had this lovely optometrist. She was young and vibrant and she was gracious with me. She said those nice things like, oh, you don't seem your age. (laughs) And she said things like, oh, wow, your eyes are really good for the age that you are. (laughs) I would have thought that you were here five years ago. That's what she said. And I said, God bless you and bless your practice. You are a lovely person. Come to our church. I didn't say that, but I was thinking it. But what I was thinking was that why do I need glasses? And this is actually the thought that I had. It wasn't so that I could see my phone clearer here. And it wasn't because I wanted to read more of the books that I've got on the side of my desk. The reason was is that my Bible has small, dense text. It's not as big as Scott. When Scott held that up, I couldn't see Scott. (laughs) But I thought, heck, I'm reading my Bible, which I engage with every day. And I'm looking at the text and it's just not coming to me as clearly. I could get a bigger Bible or I could get glasses and keep being with this one at the moment, which I'm chewing over. You see, I want to see this clearly. You see, I want to read this closely. Because in here is the power to change. This is active. These aren't just words on a page which I'm trying to get through the blur. No, these things which I can take and chew over and put into my life. And it keeps shaping me. You see, friends, the word never returns void. It is amazing when you're in a challenging season and you turn to the word and how often it speaks words of life and hope. Friends, this is your divine mentor. This is the example which you can draw from. Those who have gone before you and experienced the same sort of challenges and how they've gone through it. And you can glean the wisdom from this. It's alive and active. People have done everything to make sure you can get this in your hand. Translated it, smuggled it, died for it because this is living and active. And so Paul says, you want to learn how to persevere, stay actively growing in the word. If you need to, get glasses. Thirdly, the key to persevering is to learn from others who have persevered as well. Sometimes when we're going through a challenging time, we think we're the only one who's ever been through it. The devil loves to make you feel like you're all alone. He loves to make you feel like you're isolated. He loves to think that you're the only one who's ever experienced this. If he can do that, he's got you all set up. But God in his grace says, hey, I've got others who will show you and walk with you and be an example and help you get through when it's challenging. He says, I'll show you an example. For here in this case, Paul holds up the example of the churches in Judea who have also gone through persecution, who have also gone through oppression. He says, be imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews. Friends, 
the community of God's people, comes to us so that we can learn how to get through to the other side. And friends, when we're kind of a bit more authentic and vulnerable about those spaces and we bring it and someone says, you know what, yeah, I sense a little bit of that. I've walked through, you've got your own journey, but there's elements of the path that I've walked which is similar and these are some of the things which help me get through to the other side. Hang in there, I'm with you, I love you, I'm praying for you. When you're feeling a bit raw, when you're feeling a bit broken, it's okay. Our God will get you through, he will restore you. I'm here. It's a great gift. God gives us people who can be an example to us. The interesting thing about this as I was reflecting on it is that the thought crossed my mind that we as a body of believers now, as a church here at Hope Valley, that maybe God has strengthened us to a point where we can be an encouragement to other places, that we can be something of the church in Judea that other churches can be encouraged from. You see, if you're joining in with the story of Hope Valley, we have a long history, founded in 1867, just up the hill. And this church, through all that time, has always proclaimed Jesus Christ as Lord. And this church has always believed that in Jesus you find salvation. And this church has always believed that the Holy Spirit is always breathing something new. And in the ebbs and flows and the comings and the going, this church says Christ will be our cornerstone. And that is what will stand on the truth of the Scriptures. And through evolution and adaption and so on, the methods will change, but the principles stay the same, grounded in the Word of God. And there are churches who need to know that that strength remains. And they can imitate in such a way that they can continue faithfully in the mission where God has placed them. I think there's a mandate on us as a church to hold that true. We have a history of persevering and knowing the joy on the other side. And if we can be an encouragement to others, what a gift that would be. Friends, the road we travel is never like cruising on the freeway in a convertible, just all beautiful. Uh Uh-uh. The life that God leads us has often got potholes, speed bumps and challenges. But we get to the destination stronger because God has led us. It's often in learning how to persevere that you've got the greatest lessons to learn and to share. Number four in the key to persevering, acknowledge that what you're experiencing is real but is in the context of a far bigger picture. Verse 17, it says, you can hear Paul's heart, but since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, you can hear this sense of, oh, I'm separated. In person, not in heart, we endeavoured the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. There is this great picture which is being painted here of these believers growing in faith that they're 
It's going to be the crown of some of the work of Paul, of what God is doing. And you can hear Paul's desire to be with them and yet torn away. The key to persevering here is to acknowledge that place where you're at, but always know that there is a greater context, a greater picture that you're a part of. In our faith, we go back to the origins of time. In our faith, we've been birthed into existence by the move of the Holy Spirit. In our faith, people are constantly coming in and experiencing new life in Jesus. But it connects back to the origins. When we're finding it difficult, acknowledge it, but also know, Lord, you are sovereign in all of this. I, I can't see the end goal all the time, but I know that you've been faithful in the past, you're going to guide me into the future, and you have a glorious hope there for me. You see, when we're dealing with things only ever here, and we acknowledge that, but we do not get the broader context, then all we're dealing is with the anxiousness of this place. When God says, I want to ground you in the depths of who I am. For there is a picture which is being painted where the master artist is lavishly painting it that he calls us in to experience. And in all of this, friends, then, in all these examples that Paul gives us to persevering, as Paul talks about it, as he talks about him being an example, as he talks about other churches being an example, as he talks about essentially us being an example, it all fades in comparison with the God who has persevered with us. As we work to persevere, it all comes from the God who has been with us in all times. The God who has seen us through. The God who is constant. The God who is faithful. And yesterday it was a, a delight to be able to conduct the wedding of Sam and Jade. Sam and Jade are a beautiful part of our church family. Often will serve you coffees out there in the hub. Fantastic couple. So delighted to be able to conduct their wedding. We met up at Paracombe outside in the afternoon. It was chilly to say the least. But it was fresh and this moment as Jade kind of just glided up the aisle, Sam was a weeping mess. So a whole bunch of us, but it was just powerful because here was this covenant of love which was being made between two young people who found each other and who were going to make committed vows to seeing it through. And as I was reading the vows, I was just, I kind of made the connection again to how the vows reflect Christ's love for his church, deep promises covenantal promises and how God has got this in such a way, in that vow-like way for it to be able to sustain and persevere and stand the test of time. And so this morning to finish off, 
I want you to know that there is a God who perseveres with you and for you. And to do that, I'm going to read out some of the vows from yesterday, but I want you to understand that it's God speaking to you because he perseveres with you based in the everlasting covenant. God says, all that I am, I give to you, as he did in Jesus. And all that I have, I share with you. Keys to the kingdom. Whatever the future holds, I will love you and cherish you. I will honour you and stand by you, as long as we both shall live. This is my solemn vow. God's covenant to us, who perseveres with us, keeps the faith alive. We draw strength from that, don't we? How much our God loves us. Let us be in prayer. Lord God, we thank you that you have given us Jesus, who is an example to us. In Jesus, you don't remain mysterious, but you've revealed yourself and we can observe him and find the way to life in the kingdom. Lord, we thank you that you give us the example of others who can encourage us and build us up and show us how to persevere when we need to. Lord, we thank you that we're a part of a global movement which is driven by the power of the Holy Spirit, which shows another way, but can encourage us as well. Lord, I pray that we would be a persevering people, fighting the good fight, standing firm on the faith. Lord, we pray that in persevering we'll have the word alive and active within us, that you'd bring the people around us who we can learn from. And in this, Lord, have a deep sense that we're going, growing through to new opportunities and vistas from your kingdom. We thank you for Paul's heart. Longs to be with these people face to face so he can encourage them through. Encourage us this morning, our God, as we persevere in the faith that we have through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Friends, we're going to stand and sing this beautiful song, Cornerstone. May it be that foundational truth in your life this morning.